This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, real MVPs, Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Weber. Dub them easy. I almost stumbled on my own name, Mark. If you notice, I got real slow. I'm like, Ricky Widmer, wait, what's my name? But we are here for the onside kick, your stop for NFL right here on Most Fell Podcast. We're getting to the end, Mark. We're getting to the very end. We are, yeah, we're at the end. This is the last divisional preview that we have to do. We started many moons ago, it seems. I want to say, what, late June? Early yeah, June. Probably. No, early June, because even mm-hmm. when... Uh, yeah, it We had started to be, eight weeks ago. Yeah, it, well, it had to be early June, because I remember during VidCon, which was like third week of June, Yeah, that's when you and Sean did the NFC East, which was one of the first two that we did. That was the second did. one, yeah. Yeah, so it was early June is when we started. Because we started with the AFC East, so Sean yeah. couldn't talk about the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Last year, he wore his Patriot jersey and just pissed off Dolphin Jet and Bill fans each and every week or each and every day leading up to that Patriot video. But we're closing everything out. We got the NFC West in this preview. Going to break down all four teams, tell you what we think heading into the season for all of them. Before we get started, though, got to give you guys a little bit of housekeeping. Number one, if you want to help support the channel, please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash most available podcast. This is where you can help support the channel. And at the $10 tier, you can join a podcast. So if you want to talk about a football topic, you can join the Onside Kick every month you are at the $10 tier. Make sure to also grab yourself an MVP t-shirt. I was going to wear mine, but... uh, I don't think it's clean, and I have to find it. I was like, I don't remember well, wearing it, Yeah, but I guess I If it's it. not clean, you can just buy a new one. Nah, I, maybe I should buy a new one. Yeah. You could do the same down below in the link or at mostvailablepodcasts.com where you can catch MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, make sure to go over to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give the podcast a five-star rating and make sure to tell us why you love listening to the podcast each and every week. I think the last time I checked, Mark, we're a 4.5 out of 5 on not iTunes, bad. Not which bad. is not bad, but I want to be closer to that 5. Like, 4.5 is not close enough. I know we'll never get the perfect 5.0 because, you know, we got some non-5s out there. Yeah, somebody we, already got us. But we can get to that 4.9. That's what I want to get to, that 4.9 out of 5. Make sure to help us out. Go on to iTunes and give us that 5-star rating. But, Mark... We are going to preview the entire NFC West. If you guys are new to how we do things, we start from the worst team from the division last year. We go all the way up to the tippy top of the division. That means we are going to start with the San Francisco 49ers. And the first question, the first thing I want to ask you about the 49ers has to do with the word hype. And the reason why is, In our prediction videos that you guys can also check out on the YouTube channel, in my 49er one, I had them with double-digit wins. I'm not going to tell you exactly. you got to go check out the video to see how many. And a lot of the comments were saying things like, oh, you're overhyping the 49ers. What is this? What is that? So I want to ask you just basically to start this. The 49ers had four wins last year, I believe. This year, they're five five wins. Their over-under win total from Vegas coming into this year is a nine. Are you going to take the over or the under nine wins for the 49ers this year? 
if I had to say, I could see them doing the over, but I would take the under. Okay. If I if I can't call it even, because I think nine wins is actually pretty. On how, how point. about how about this? How mm-hmm. about I how about I bump it up to like nine point five? So there's a clear over under. Yeah, then I'd have to take the under. Okay. Yeah, because I think nine wins is pretty. Pretty ex- I expected is not the right word, but mm-hmm. if they get nine wins, I'm saying right on par. Okay, that's what you should have done, uh, because yeah, they they definitely have this hype and they definitely have this next level potential for mm-hmm. them. Um, and actually, it was six wins uh, last season, but um, you know, and they had a couple of overtime games as well last year that they maybe could have flipped the other way. I mean, it did go to overtime. You could have just switched over. Mm-hmm. So they had games where they were there. You know, they they won uh, one against the Rams, but they could have potentially won the other one as well. They were only three points away from a win. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were kind of, like I said, they were kind of there in some of these games to where, sure, they couldn't have done it. But the problem is, too, with the 49ers was a lot of this hype is just built on Jimmy Garoppolo showed up and things looked pretty good. Well, and for me, that's the main thing with this Niner team is Jimmy Garoppolo because I look at it and I know that in football, like football is different than basketball. Basketball, you can have a guy like LeBron James carry you all the way to the NBA Finals. and football, you need more than that. But when I look at this Niner team, I do not, I don't think it's a fluke that he comes in late in that Seahawk game, but then starts every other game, and they beat Chicago. They beat the Texans. They beat two play or three playoff teams to end the year in the Titans, the Jaguars, and or yeah. the Jaguars and the LA Rams. And I look at it, and the thing, the only thing I say is, is are they a playoff team with Jimmy Garoppolo last year? Probably not. But like I look at games like the Seahawks game that you mentioned, the one that was 12 to 9. I look at the Cardinal game. I look at the Colt game. I look at the Redskin game. Those ones that were very close. And the Cardinal game that was at Arizona, not the one that was in San Francisco. Although, I mean, 10 points is not that big of a win. But mainly that stretch from October 1st where you had the Colt, the Cardinals, Colts, and Redskins, I could see with Jimmy Garoppolo – those flip over, then this team looks from a six-win team to a nine-win team. And it's a completely different kind of barometer that we're using heading into this year. Yeah, sure. I do think it's worth noting, though, when you you know really kind of talk about those wins with Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, quarterback just came out of there. And I'm not saying that Jimmy Garoppolo's a bad quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Uh, but he came out there and... Seattle was a little weak, but that was a loss anyway, so it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. You played Chicago, a team that had a bad season, rookie quarterback, fired their head coach, fired Mm -hmm. pretty much everybody. Uh, Houston, injured quarterback, so they didn't have much going for them. They were one of the bottom teams in the league. Mm -hmm. The Tennessee Titans barely squeezed their way into the playoffs. They ended up firing their coaches as well. Mm -hmm. The Jacksonville Jaguars, definitely a good team. That defense was great, 100%. Jimmy Garoppolo deserves a lot of credit for that one. Uh and I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve credit for the other ones because he went out there and he won. Mm-hmm. And then the Ram, the last Rams game where he played the backups. So, I mean, he should have gone mm-hmm. undefeated, maybe lost the Jacksonville game. Mm-hmm. You know, he should have done that for sure. Now it's going to be a little bit different. There's the, the small sample size is kind of 
going away. Teams will have that tape. They will see what Shanahan plus Garoppolo equals. Uh, the problem is, though, is we want to put so much on Jimmy Garoppolo, and even if he is a great quarterback, it still didn't change the fact that the running game last year was not very good. Mm-hmm. They're trying to improve it, and they definitely made some moves well, in the offseason to you, improve it. When you pulled Jarek McKinnon, who mm-hmm. is not that, like, he's not an all-star, like, hey, But he he's was definitely serviceable last he's year. a very good running back mm-hmm. that we had last year. Like, Dalvin Cook went down, and I went, shit, what is this run game going to look like? And he made me yeah. completely forget that Cook was gone. But the 49ers uh, offensive line needed mm-hmm. some work as well. And I they, mean, they made moves to fix that is it, too. Is it very that much different than the Viking O-line that you always like to complain is our weakest part it's of that It's not team? necessarily, no. <laughs> but I do think that mm-hmm. one thing that's going to make a difference is 49ers did not have a good running game last year and mm-hmm. a bad offensive line. Minnesota's offensive line, sure, it was not very good. But they have still had a good running game anyways. They made it work. Mm-hmm. San Francisco didn't make it work. So they need McKinnon to come in here and kind of light, not necessarily light the league on fire, but light the fire he's gotta under this be, running game. He's got to be what fans thought Carlos Hyde would have been last year. Because mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde in the past versus, like, I still have nightmares about that Monday night game against the Vikings where yeah. he we went into San Francisco and he torched us on that but Monday Carlos night game. But Carlos Hyde's that kind of guy where he's going to light people up and mm-hmm. people are going to go, where's this guy been? Yeah. And then he disappears for a long time. Well, and That's kind of who he is. And one of the things I, I have to bring up because um, I've been waiting to bring this up for sure. this preview because when I did the 49er prediction video i got a comment i think it was that first day um during it and it's gotten 13 replies i did not reply to it though because i was going to use this kind of format to do the replying it comes from Izel cox and here's what he says wow you have really lost it haven't you everyone has an opinion may ask what substantial objective reasoning for your belief that jimmy g and a five-win team is better than two NFC North teams who finished better than them or better than them last season. Their only addition was Sherman, who is coming off the worst injury in sports, an Achilles rupture at 31 years of age. Jimmy G, after only five games, is better than Cousins and Stafford. Love your show, and you have to explain this in another show. Otherwise, it kind of sounds like and I gotta click more, a hype beast, 49ers will be one and three or 0 and four playing the NFC North this year. I don't even think the Bears will lose to them. And the thing that the first thing I have to say to that is I'll, the first thing I'll say to kind mm-hmm. of and this will be a spoiler for the prediction video is the only game that I would flip from my prediction video is the Viking game because I gave the 49ers that first game to start the year against the Vikings, but I could see that being a game where the 49ers jump us and get it. You've got a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo who had all like he had all of last season after he got traded to learn this offense, got game experience with this offense, has had all of this offseason basically from the beginning and now training camp with this offense. You have a guy like Kirk Cousins who I think Kirk is going to do great things with the Vikings this year, 
But one of the things he even talked about when he was on um, in oh, one of the shows on NFL Network with uh, MJD when they were at Viking camp last week. And it was the second day of camp. And he's sitting down with them and he's even saying like, yeah, you know what? The difference from camp is like, yeah, I don't have like because they asked him about the contract thing. He's like, I don't even think about that. But he's like, the big thing that's a difference is I've got to learn a whole new offense right now. Like the camps in at Washington were easy because it was the same offense. I was coming in. I knew it. I didn't have to worry about that. With Minnesota, he's got to learn an entire new offense. He's got to learn new guys. He kind of explained it to being like your first day in school, basically. Um, and the thing is, I had the Packers beating the 49ers. The Bears, I just don't think late in the year. Like, the Bears, to me, will it be a close game? Yes, probably. But, like, I look at that and I go, I don't think the Bears this year are ready to take that next step. I'm not I'm not on the, to use the word that Azel used, I'm not a hype beast for the Bears, where you've even said it before, where there's a certain collection of Bear fans that are like, Basically, oh, Nagy coming in, we're going to do the same thing McVay and the Rams did last year. Book it. This team's going to go to the playoffs. And it's I'm thinking, is pump, it possible? Pump the sure, it is. Let's call them, let's call them it down well, a little bit. Let's pump the brakes a little bit on that one. The Lions could be a win. However, in San Francisco, I'm not high on the Lions this year. I'll be completely honest. So, to me, I see the 49ers as, yes, I could see them going 1-3 against the NFC North. But realistically, they're a three two a two three win team against that division. To me, the important games for them are they come down and it's like, can you beat teams like the Chiefs, who now have Patrick Mahomes basically as a rookie starter? I know it's a sophomore year, but he's basically a rookie starter. Can you split against your basically your divisions? Basically, if they split against the Rams and Seahawks and double up on the Cardinals. That's success because the Cardinals, I don't think, will be really good this year. Can you get teams like the Raiders and the Bucks? Can you win the games basically that you're supposed to win? Then it comes down to those other ones that I see as like clear losses where it's like the Broncos, the Packers, the Chargers, where it's like then it's like if you steal one of those games, then you're in business. I just don't think it is too far-fetched to think of this team as a 10-win team at the end of the year. I don't think it's... Yeah, I, I would say it's not a stretch to think that mm-hmm. they could be a 10-win team for sure. Um, now, there's the other caveat to this of 10 wins is not necessarily good enough to get you into the playoffs in the NFC. So it really depends Just on how they Detroit do. Just fans last year. Yeah, it depends how they're going to do against mm-hmm. the NFC North because if they do somehow go 1-3 and or 0-4 and against the NFC North, well, that's just lowering those wins, and that's just going to make it an issue. To, even if they were 10-6, and six, you know, a Packers team might be ahead mm-hmm. of them or something like that. Now, with that being said, I really think that there are oh, there's a lot of hype here for the 49ers, and they've got a lot of good pieces. They are kind of ready to make a step forward, mm-hmm. but a step forward doesn't necessarily automatically equal playoffs, Super Bowl, etc., mm-hmm. like a lot of people want to believe on the hype train. Now, there's also a lot of games that I think could potentially go either way. If I want to look at my best-case scenario, I can see a 10-6 and 6 team 
for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. But then I start to think about, well, are they going to beat the Chargers? Uh, how about the Chiefs game? You know, how about the Bears game? Seahawks, do they split the Seahawks? Do they sweep the Seahawks? How's that going to go? You know, there's a lot of these type of things. The Giants are supposed to be a better team. Are they going to be able to get the better hand of the 49ers? There's a lot of these games that are really toss-ups for me because mm-hmm. the funny thing about the Chicago connection here is 49ers being a 6-10 and team last year, 5-11 and Chicago Bears, mm-hmm. these teams were essentially at the same place. Yeah, You know, they were basically the same. Uh, 49ers have a little bit of an edge in certain areas. Chicago has a little bit of edge in other areas. So I would say those teams were fairly similar. They're both kind of in this, we should be better next year. Mm-hmm. All things say that we should be, but let's see what actually happens. And, you know, the Richard Sherman one's a perfect example of that, of Richard Sherman's bringing all this attention to the team. He's got the injuries. He has not been the same Richard Sherman he used to be. He's going to be somewhere where he can't just be the, I'm going to hang out over here mm-hmm. because I know I got somebody on the other side that's doing just as good of a job as I am. I'm telling you. That's going to potentially be an issue for him as well. The Week 13 matchup on December 2nd, basically that Sunday night, they made that a Sunday night matchup for a reason. We are going to be focusing heavily on Richard Sherman coming. Assuming he's healthy. Not, not only you know, assuming that he's healthy because it is late in the year, but it's not only the first time he'll play the Seahawks, the first time they play the Seahawks is in Seattle. So Richard Sherman gets to kind of live up to the promise that he and, wanted to make to them, too. You know, I just think back to him having the big I am the number one corner in the mm-hmm. league moment years ago. And uh, people use the argument against him of Patrick Peterson has to do more than you do type mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, you know, same thing with Norman as well. This is his time to shine, and, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it's a little past his prime. We didn't get to see it in his prime, but this is your time to shine of say, I don't need someone just as good on the other side. I don't need the Legion of Boom to make me elevated. I am just good all on my own. And this is kind of our moment to see that with mm-hmm. the 49ers. I honestly think, like, 49ers, anything less than eight wins would be a big surprise to me. Um I think nine wins is pretty right on par. I could see 10 wins. The question is just what is the rest of the NFC going to be? Because even with 10 wins, they're still dealing with the Rams. And the Rams Mm -hmm. could easily win this division. uh, And then it's just fighting for a wild card spot against a Packers team, a Falcons team, a Panthers team. There's going to be a lot of teams fighting for that extra wild card spot. Makes it a little challenging. Well, and for me, you say under, what, eight wins? and you'd I'd be, be surprised, surprised if it under eight wins. Well, I'm going to surprise you because, like, I look at some of the games I mentioned and I could see the window for this team at the absolute worst, six wins. They're back where they were before. However, my realistic window is, like you said, it's an eight-win team at worst, ten-win team at best. However, I wouldn't be surprised if the team went ahead and was six wins because, like I said, I finished them with ten wins. That's what I have right now. In two weeks when we do our hold us to them predictions, that might change. I basically, every single day that I've looked at the predictions, the 49ers for me have fluctuated between 11 and 10 wins. Right now I'm sitting more realistically on that 10. But like I said, Vikings, Lions, 
Chiefs, Raiders, Cardinals. I'm not going to throw the Bucks in there. Um, those five games, if they flip the other way, this is a team that's five wins again. Or just the, like Azel was talking about, the Vikings and Lions, those two for sure with the North games, and I'll throw the Chiefs in there, those three could make this team a seven-win team. Just the NFC North games makes them an 8-8 eight and eight team from where I have them at 10-6 and six right now. So, I mean, there's really a lot of games where this isn't like, a, oh, this is a powerhouse team and this is what it's going to be. It's There's a little bit of hype with this team because I feel like if a Chicago fan was watching this, because like you mentioned, a Chicago fan might watch this and go, Ricky, how can you be so hypocritical to say, oh, the 49ers are 10 wins, but the Bears are only like six wins? Like how are like where's the discrepancy in that where like you said they were at the same spot they might not be far off from each other when it comes to the type of personnel that they have and the additions they've made to me and we've already talked about the Bears the thing with the 49ers that will benefit them is they've got to play strong against the division but also this schedule could help them. If the Lions and Matt Patricia's first year take a step back, that'll help them. Patrick Mahomes in his first real year as a starter, Chiefs take a step back, that'll help them. The Raiders not being the team they used to be and with John Gruden not kind of clicking in his first year, that will help them. If, Sam, let's say, Sam Bradford gets injured because we're going to talk about that one next and Josh Rosen's thrown in there, what kind of a Cardinal team? Are we going to see? Because really the the basis for Sam Bradford is four weeks and then the injury watch starts. Three to four weeks and then he's pretty much, eh, is he going to get injured? And you play the Cardinals week five, so you're outside of that healthy window. There's a lot of questions. Yes, could they not? Could the football bounce a different way and they're not 10 wins? Yeah, but it could bounce the right way and they could be a 9-10 win team at the end of the year. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see with the 49ers. And what I'm most interested for this team mm-hmm. is going to be the fact of, is this run game going to be improved? And the other side is just defensively, is is this team going to be able to stand up defensively against some high-powered teams that they'll be facing? Or will Jimmy Garoppolo be in a shootout every time? It's possible because they definitely, I mean, they... They had some uh, low-scoring games mm-hmm. where the defense did stand up, but they also had quite a few shootouts as well. So I I just would love to see that. And an addition like Richard Sherman mm-hmm. is one of those key parts of, is he going to live up to the hype? Is he going to be able to be that shutdown corner that the 49ers are hoping that he's going to be? And if he's not... That's going to hurt quite a bit because they're relying on him quite a bit, I think, to really make these games easier so Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to go out there and throw three, four touchdowns a game Mm -hmm. because that's not necessarily the kind of guy that he is. He's going to be more, as much as we all want to say that he is this amazing quarterback going to throw a shit ton of touchdowns on you. Are you going to use— It's only seven last year. I was going to say, are you going to use the word that Sean likes to use for Alex Smith? Game manager? Not yet. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have enough to, to say for sure, but I mm-hmm. mean, you know, in, in these, what, six games that mm-hmm. he played, 1,500 yards. That's not bad, uh, but it's not like he went out there and threw a ton. Mm-hmm. Seven touchdowns, 
five interceptions. So, I mean, it really, you look at these numbers and they're actually just pretty average. Two things I want to say. First off, the thing about the defense is a good thing, though. When you look at the point totals, they only gave up more than 30 points. What? Once against the Rams, but like Rams, look at the offense they have. That's a high-scoring offense. Then you look at a team like Dallas. If Dallas is clicking, especially they had Zeke at the time, that's going to be a high-powered offense. Philadelphia, they have a pretty good offense, a high-powered offense. And then Jacksonville, where, yeah, Blake Bortles is probably the lesser known of those, or the lesser of the quarterbacks that I just mentioned on the other team, Goff, Dak, and Wentz at the time. But Jacksonville can put up points like they did against the Steelers in the playoffs. Oh, and then the Rams, or no, the Rams the second time they only scored 13. I was looking at the um, Niners total. But the thing I also feel like for this season, and call me crazy, is yes, Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think, is going to go out there and set the world on fire numbers-wise. Like He's not going to have a mm-hmm. Tom Brady, what was that, the 2000 and, oh, I was a senior in high school, so it was the 2008 season, the one where they went almost undefeated and like him and Randy Moss like accounted for like 30-some touchdowns and Tom Brady threw like 50 touchdown passes mm-hmm. in that season. Jimmy Garoppolo's not going to have a season like that, but I think... This is the this is the season. Last year we got a little taste. I think this is the year where 49er fans get to see that A, they've got their quarterback of the future, if you haven't seen that already, but B, that not only do we have our quarterback of the future, we have a quarterback who will be a proven winner at the quarterback position for us. And although it might not be a Super Bowl winning season, it could be one where they make the playoffs, they get bounced in the first yeah. game, and have something to build on for well, years Well, I, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, despite the hype, is going to be more of the above-average quarterback mm-hmm. than great quarterback. Um, I'm more than happy to be proven wrong because I do like Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback, mm-hmm. but I just think that there's all this hype around him right now to where people are expecting him to be Drew Brees, and he's not going to be Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be this guy who is probably a 3,500-yard thrower. His touchdown-to-interception ratio, it's not going to be one, but it's going to be a little closer than people want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we talk about the defense of, like, sure, they only had, like, five games where they gave up 30 points or more, mm-hmm. uh, but they had plenty of games where they were giving up, you know, 23-plus, and... That's why they addressed it. You know, that's why they went and they got Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is supposed to lower that. You mm-hmm. know, Richard Sherman's supposed to have more games where you're not letting teams score three touchdowns on you or more. And that's why I'm saying a guy like him needs to live up to the hype that he had before, needs to be healthy, because that right there, a healthy Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. guy bringing those points down, only giving you a you know average of 20 or something like that, points given up a game, that right there is good enough to win two, three games to end extra. This, to end this segment, we're going to do a little bit of blind resumes, and I'm going to give you two quarterbacks cool. from last year. These are numbers from last year. You tell me which quarterback you think Jimmy Garoppolo will most be like this year. 
Do you want quarterback A or quarterback B first? Well, A comes first. So. Okay. So quarterback A completed 325 passes. Cool. Um, for a percentage of just over 67%, threw 3,547 yards, and had 22 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He had a quarterback rating of about a 98. Quarterback B completed 323 passes for about almost 63%, 3,496 yards, 22 touchdowns, 20 inter- or 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 80.4. See, here's the problem. I like the touchdown-interception ratio better on quarterback B. I think mm-hmm. that's more Jimmy Garoppolo. For second year, that's more of what I expect. But the percentage, completion percentage of quarterback A is better and more of what I'd expect. But I'm going to just overall go with quarterback A. So quarterback A, if he were to have those numbers, mm-hmm. he's Case Keenum. Case Keenum was quarterback A. Derek Carr was quarterback B. God, and that and that competition, <laughs> I don't know which one you really want to be. I mean, last year Case last Keenum, year, Case wasn't Keenum bad. was great, but Case Keenum career, mm, mm-hmm. not 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 anything you're that excited about. But if we're looking at it just as a yeah. season, like, and that's another thing that plays into it too, and that's why I use the other quarterback. I was going to say, mm-hmm. I'll say some of the numbers and see if you can guess who it is. Two hundred and eighty-two. Completions, 63%, just over 3,500 yards, 19 touchdowns, 11 INTs on the year. I don't know. Just tell me. Jameis Winston. That was the other quarterback. That's who I was going to use for Mm -hmm. B, but then I used Carr because he had two more interceptions, had that closer touchdown-to-interception ratio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think it's going to be interesting to see, hype aside at this point, a full season, Mm -hmm. who is Jimmy Garoppolo? We're going to learn. This is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section on YouTube, the camera. We went over on the time for the DSLR, but let us know what you think down below. What do you think of the 49ers? Uh, am I overhyping Jimmy G? Azell, did I answer your question? Did I uh, explain myself a little better? Because this is what I was waiting for to kind of explain everything with your comment. Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. And let's move on, Mark, into the next team, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. And this is a team that is very interesting because Cardinal fans in your prediction video were very much of this is going to be an eight-win team, eight-and-eight team. I think that this is a team where Cardinal fans are going to hate me after this preview because I am not high on your team coming into this year. And one of the main reasons is this quarterback situation is right now they've got three. They've got Sam Bradford, they've got the ginger giraffe, Mike Glennon, and they've got Josh Rosen, who they drafted in this last NFL draft. And the big question is Sam Bradford should be the starter. He should be the one who wins the job this offseason. However, health is a big concern when it comes to Sam Bradford. Um, it's not anything that he did, but apparently there's an article saying that Sam Bradford is five ways, five days away from his on-field debut with the Cardinals, and in two days he's going to have his knee kind of checked out. He's going to have his knee tested before the first preseason game on Thursday, I believe, the Cardinals play 
Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson are also going to do the same thing. So it's not just like they're targeting Sam Bradford, but they kind of are. Josh Rosen being the guy that they drafted this past draft, many think will take over maybe at some point this year if Sam Bradford takes all six plays all 16 games, Josh Rosen will most likely be the starter to win the job next year. I want to ask you to start this. What's going to happen? Look into your crystal ball. What's going on with this competition and this quarterback situation throughout this year? Well, there there isn't a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Glennon, you mentioned him, and you can throw him out the window. Well, that doesn't exist. Articles are already talking about him maybe getting traded before week one. I'm expecting him to probably just get cut. Mm-hmm. Um, walking in with three quarterbacks, it's a little excessive, especially mm-hmm. when you supposedly have the most quarterback, or the most NFL quarterback, NFL-ready quarterback out of, of the, the rookies. Draft, yeah. Um, that's what Rosen's supposed to be, so he should be able to just be your backup. Mm-hmm. Sam Bradford is your starter because he deserves to be your starter. He is just a good veteran quarterback. I mean, if he wasn't injured last year, he Case Keenum would have never had the job. Exactly. I mean, he did fine in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. but then Carson Wentz got his opportunity to shine, and he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets traded to Minnesota, does well in Minnesota for a year, gets hurt. And then gets moved over now to the Arizona Cardinals. He will do fine if he's out there. The problem is that, is he going to be out there all the time? Mm-hmm. Fortunately, the first year he's ever on a team, he's usually fairly healthy. Yeah. Uh, got drafted by the Rams. He was fine. Played 16 games, 14 for Philadelphia, 15 mm-hmm. for Minnesota. So, hey, first year is great. Um, but the odds are he's probably going to get hurt at some point, at least miss you know three, four, five games, something like that. Mm-hmm. Josh Rosen will get his opportunity, and if the injury, even if it's not a huge injury, if it happens in like week five, week six, Rosen gets his chance. He's not going to give the job back. Mm-hmm. Once the rookie is out there, I think the rookie's just going to be out there. Um, especially since you know Josh Rosen's kind of shown to be a little bit of a vocal kind of guy, he's going to make his opinion known. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to start him and pull him. They're not pulling a Kaiser situation with the Browns that just completely ruins a or kid. Or a Cody Kessler situation, too. Yeah, they're not going to completely ruin the guy with this. He goes out there, he's good. Injury is the only thing that really does it for him. Because Sam Bradford's not going to be a guy who's going to make tons and tons of mistakes for you and just completely mess up up this opportunity Mm -hmm. the team is good enough to where he'll do fine when he's out there it's just that injury issue um so for me it's pretty simple i mean sam bradford starts when he is unable to start due to Mm -hmm. injury or the season ends i guess then uh josh rosen gets his opportunity well and the one of the big questions i have for this offense as a whole is there's two um the first one has to do with an injury that has happened recently where you've got their center, A.Q. Shipley, tore his ACL. He's done for the year. Head coach Wilkes comes out and says, hey, you know what? He's done. MRI confirmed it's a torn ACL. We're not thinking, like, we're moving on from Shipley for this year. Well, if you look at the depth chart, unless they decide to throw us a curveball, the next man up is Mason Cole who they took this past year in the draft. I believe he was a third-rounder for the Cardinals this year. 
He is now your starting center. You have a rookie now starting at center. So for me, I know it's only one spot on the line, but like I look at that and I go, uh, with a quarterback that is injury prone and a rookie that'll be coming in behind him, I really do not. I did not want to start my rookie center, my rookie third round center this year for the Cardinals. That's number one. That's kind of like, oh, that's a question for me. Number two is. I don't know what to expect from this new coaching staff on the offensive side where you've got Coach Wilkes who comes in. He's a defensive-minded coach, so he's not going to be handling the offenses as at all. You've got a guy, Mike McCoy, as your offensive coordinator. And in San, or in San Diego slash L.A., or actually I think they were just the San Diego Chargers for his tenure um, with the team, they weren't a bad offense, but the thing that leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and you could argue, is this Mike McCoy's fault, or was this the fact that this team didn't have a quarterback on the, like, didn't have a quarterback, that's what I kept saying about them, and their fans would get mad, but when he was with the Broncos last year, after a six-game losing streak, he was fired November 20th of last year, and was just fired mid-season, so... The thing I'll ask you is, those are two things I'm looking at as questions. The Mike McCoy one really is, what should we expect with Sam Bradford, with Josh Rosen, and Mike McCoy leading this offense? I actually think that Mike McCoy is a great option to have as an offensive coordinator. He's a great offensive coordinator. I mean, Mm -hmm. you look at the success that Kyle Orton had with Mike McCoy as his offensive coordinator. He had his best year ever. Uh, You look at the fact that then getting a completely different style of quarterback in Tim Tebow, and he has to completely change that offense Mm -hmm. to work. And Tim Tebow, he's a gamer. He won some games, you know? He won a playoff game. Uh, It made it happen. McCoy made it actually happen. Um, San Diego, it was all right, his time there. San Diego had kind of their own woes. But really, I mean, it's okay if a guy is not a head coach necessarily he's a better offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. defensive coordinator whatever it is I think McCoy is one of those guys he's just a better coordinator Mm -hmm. Denver last year there were some issues with Denver I mean like you said quarterback was a big issue they weren't getting anything going well if he Mm -hmm. was there right now with uh with your old guy whose name I already forgot Pat Shermer um no no your Minnesota quarterback that's now the quarterback of the Denver Broncos Case Keenum Case Keenum um. See, I even forgot his name well, already. You talk like that whenever you bring situation. up Viking offenses. Uh-huh. I know you're not a fan of Pat Shermer, so that's why I brought up that. That's I like why Pat I, Shermer, but you don't think he's going to be that successful in New York. That's not why as a head coach. No, that's why my Pat first Shermer is exactly Shermer. what I think Matt, Mike McCoy is a better mm-hmm. coordinator than okay. a head coach. Uh, I mean, Pat Shermer's shown that he's mm-hmm. a better coordinator, just like Mike McCoy has. Nothing wrong with that. Now he's in a situation where he's got a Young quarterback who's supposed to be good. Mm-hmm. A veteran quarterback who's good, just injury prone. Mm-hmm. Good um, running back. He's got good wide receivers. Just got a young one in Christian Kirk as well. There are good options here to make this team successful. And the, it's not like they've got the best wide receivers in the world. And that's like, But they've got good enough to, to win. And you see me go like, eh, with the wire, because David Johnson, that's another question you could say is, oh, how does he come back off of being injured all of last season, I think he'll be fine. He'll bounce back fine. 
Um, I'm not really worried about that. To me, the wide receivers, though, it's not like they have a bunch of scrubs. No, they got but, Larry Fitzgerald. But to me, it's exactly. They've got Larry Fitzgerald, Christian and you're Kirk. expecting Christian Kirk to be a really good slot receiver. Besides that, I'm not excited about Chad Williams. I'm not excited about Greg Little on this team, about Bryce Butler. To me, the only two, and even like tight ends, I'm not really excited about Ricky Seals-Jones, who we talked about in our tight end fantasy rankings, or Jermaine Gresham. Like, yeah, they're okay, but they're nothing to write home about in my mind. To me, it's really Fitzgerald and Kirk are the two that are like, those are your best receivers. And let's be completely honest. I know that this is a preview for this year, but looking forward, let's be honest, this is probably Larry Fitzgerald's last year with the Cardinals um, to where after this year, it's like, okay, that is going to be a position that the Cardinals really need to look at because to me, I think that is the weakest part of their offense because they've got a great, they've got a really solid running back in David Johnson. They've got, like you said, the most NFL ready quarterback, which this year could be a little shaky just because he's a rookie and you expect rookies to make rookie mistakes. And with the injury to Shipley having now a rookie being your starter at the center of your offensive line. The wide receiver position, I think, might be the one, except for Fitzgerald and Kirk, that brings this team down just a step. Which is okay. I mean, I don't think Mm -hmm. there's anything wrong with saying, especially after Fitzgerald leaves, we're going to need a wide receiver Mm -hmm. because you're going to have a chance. Yeah. I mean, there's not—this team, I'm not amazingly high on the Mm -hmm. Cardinals, but they're not a bad team. They addressed issues, quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line. They addressed those issues. The mm-hmm. defense could use a little bit as well, but the defense isn't, you know, the defense isn't a mess or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The problem they had last year, their biggest issue was little inconsistency quarterback wise, but running game. The running game was just bad because mm-hmm. David Johnson was injured. He's back. So that's a good thing right there. You know, they've kind of addressed a lot of what they need to where first round next year, they can go get a, get themselves a wide receiver. They can go mm-hmm. to free agency and try and sign one of the top wide receivers available. They're going to be able to address that to where I don't think the Cardinals are in that bad of a situation. The problem I have for the Cardinals is just that you're kind of going to be one of this middle, lower to middle tier type of teams what you, because like, of the fact that you have Sam Bradford out there, probably going to get hurt. You have a rookie out there. He's probably going to be a rookie. Mm-hmm. Your defense will probably take a little bit of a step back from mm-hmm. last year. So you're going to be sitting there from, I personally think a range for the Cardinals is like a five to eight wins. Um, you know, maybe a few of those games go different ways, mm-hmm. but I really just kind of don't expect that much out of the Arizona Cardinals. They were an eight and eight team last year, but mm-hmm. with quite a bit of changes in coaching staff and quarterbacks and, kind of getting used to some new things here, some new styles. I think that's going to kind of lead these Cardinals to take a step back from where they were last year at 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, I mean, my window, I'm going with a little smaller one, where if the Cardinals did finish 8-8, eight and eight, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I'm just going to throw that out there. But my window is more 4-6 to six is what I'm looking at. And the reason why is, first off, 
game when it comes to the division, I feel like three and three is the best you'll go. Two and four might be where you're at. It's not like you're gonna get swept by your division. You'll play the Rams tough, you'll probably split with them. You'll play the Seahawks tough, you'll probably split with them. If anyone does sweep you, it might be the 49ers or the Rams. One of those yeah, two I don't know teams why might you sweep the 49ers you. instead um, of the Rams. Because I'm really high on the 49ers. Yeah, it but, just, I don't get it, but yeah. But outside of the division, there are games like the Vikings. I don't think you win that game. The Broncos. I don't think you win that game. The Falcons. I don't think you win that game. The Packers. I don't think you win that game. The rest is in the other games. And I'll be honest, I'm higher on the other teams. The Redskins, now with Alex Smith. Basically, a lot of these decisions, most of them come down to, I just like the quarterback on the other side compared to what you have. And that's nothing against Josh Rosen. It just means he's a rookie. I like Alex Smith more. I like that Redskins team Well, it doesn't matter. The Redskins, I mean, Sam Bradford's playing. No, I know. But like even like Smith Mm -hmm. to Bradford, I like Smith more. The Bears, I that one's a toss-up to me. But I could see the Bears coming into Arizona and getting the win. The Chiefs, I like Patrick Mahomes a little bit better than Sam Bradford. And I feel like the rookie, I'm going to say rookie-to-rookie competition would be interesting. I know Mahomes is not technically a rookie, but it's his first year as a starter. And then like a team like the Lions, where I like Matthew Stafford better than the quarterbacks that you have on your roster. So it's like that's why for me... I think this team will be a four to six win team. And then it's like next year, once this is completely Rosen's team, all right, now we can get a fair assessment of this team, maybe being an eight to nine win team with their NFL ready quarterback. Yeah, I think the coaching staff, it'll take a little bit of a chance to get adapted to them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the thing with the Redskins game, that one's a total toss-up for me because Alex Smith is learning a new offense, too. Mm -hmm. And that Redskins team, they were kind of devoid of talent on some pretty key areas. So I think that one's a toss-up. You were right about the Bears being a toss-up because we got to see what happens with that. It's funny how Mark... uh... Mark wants to side with the Bears a little bit that it's a toss-up. Well, it is a toss-up. No, I'm saying I'm because you're a Bears fan. Yeah. I'm just poking fun at you. It's a toss-up game. <laughs> uh, I'm not siding with the Bears at all. It's a, I'm saying it could go either way. Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, I think that's a 100% toss-up game because we don't really mm-hmm. know what we have out of him. Uh, we just know that Andy Reid's a good coach and he's used yeah. to making it work. Uh, the Broncos... Case Keenum might be a complete disaster outside of a really good team. Mm-hmm. Not that the Broncos aren't also a really a good really team. good defense. Um, yeah, they've got a really good defense. We're just going to see how the offense goes. It's not mm-hmm. as good as Minnesota's offense. Um, so who knows what happens there? You know, they could surprise a team. We, The two of us are a little down on the Lions. Not completely, mm-hmm. but the Lions might be a game where the Cardinals can steal that one away. They have enough games here to where, oh, the Raiders as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have enough games to where they can make it happen yeah. to get closer to 8-8. Eight and eight. It's just that it's going to get, 8-8 eight and eight already is a little bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. It's going to be harder to get even further past that. Mm-hmm. So the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, this is just a year where you want things to gel. You want players to kind of compete for their spots. You want them to prove it to the new coaching staff. You hopefully want to see Josh Rosen at some point so he can start getting experience. I want to see him. If I'm a Cardinal fan, I want to see him this season because 
Sam Bradford is not the future. Well, He's yeah. just not. Like, I mean, you drafted one guy in the first round. It's almost the situation of, it's almost the situation, I'm going to compare it to when Sam Bradford was in Minnesota. Because we traded for Sam Bradford after Teddy went down. Once Teddy was starting to get healthier, I we've had we had the same conversations on podcasts where it's like, well, you know, Sam Bradford, like, what do you want, Sam Bradford? Or do you want Teddy? And my answer was always, Teddy's the future. Sam Bradford is not. Sam Bradford's in a similar situation here where. He is not the future, obviously. Mm-hmm. Josh Rosen is the future. So for me, with this Cardinal team, because you're not going to be a playoff team, because you're not going to be a Super Bowl champion team, I would say by like late year, almost maybe like a Jimmy Garoppolo-esque situation, after the bye week, I want to see Josh Rosen because this team will not be a team that's making the playoff. Like you said, the best you gave him was 8-8, eight and eight, which is not going to be a playoff team in the NFC after the bye week, anytime after the bye, I want to see Josh Rosen start because I want to see the future in Arizona. The hard thing, of course, is going to simply be the fact that the later half of mm-hmm. their season is where they're probably going to win those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to make it a little bit challenging because I've said it before, I don't think Sam Bradford does anything to lose the job. It's just mm-hmm. going to be an injury thing. Or if it's just somehow that the coaching staff goes, Sam, you've done a good job, but we're not going to the playoffs. We're mm-hmm. going to see what we got in the rookie. You know, I mean, you don't get that as often in the NFL anymore, but that could certainly happen uh, to push him in there in like a week 12, 13, 14, something like that. I'm going to say this situation where, first off, the thing I do want to say is those games that I mentioned, Redskin, Bears, uh, Chiefs, Lions, I wasn't saying those are for sure the other team. Like you said, they could go either way. One thing I do want to disagree with you with is I do think the Redskins have better weapons um, than the Cardinals. I like their wide receivers a lot better. Uh, Their running backs, like, yes, David Johnson is really good, but I'm really excited to see what Geis, Kelly, and Thompson can do along with some uh, some Samaj P. Ryan for the Redskins. But what I was really going to get to is I could see a situation where this team— only like maybe one or two wins in the first eight weeks. You get to that bye week, you're a one, two win team, and it's like, hey, you know what? Josh is the future. Josh is looking really good. Sam's not winning games anyways. Screw it. We're throwing them in. We're throwing them in post bye, and we're going with Josh Rosen the rest of the way. I could totally see that from this team. I don't really understand thinking that the wide receiver situation mm-hmm. in Washington is better than in Arizona. Because they have better wide receivers. They've Larry got, Fitzgerald is better than any of those guys, and then the other guys are all just average number twos. But he's one. But he's yeah. one guy. I can, sure. And I then can you've double, got I can two double, number twos. I can double, like, if a defense really mm-hmm. wanted to, double-team Larry Fitzgerald, okay, let someone sure. else beat me. Then you got Christian Kirk. We're, but that's the thing. He's a rookie. We're expecting yeah. good things but out of him. We don't know what he's going to be, There's no 1,000-yard receiver in Washington. No, you've I'm got not, a couple of seven hundreds and a five hundred yard receiver. I'm not saying there that's is. not great. I'm not saying there is, but if you double team one of them, I like Crowder and Richardson over the two, three, four, five, six in Arizona. Sure, but I still think they're about at the same level. 
in that case. One, mm, you have Larry we're Fitzgerald. We're going to agree to disagree on Larry that Larry Fitzgerald one. being one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Yes. Is he's better, only one man. But that's better than having two pretty good wide receivers. I would disagree. Crowder and Richardson. I would disagree in the fact of, if we're talking like, mm-hmm. Like and I'm looking at it as I would disagree in the fact of I can double team one guy and who's your second guy that's going to beat me? Then that's yeah. what I'm talking about. No, I get that. Or put my number one corner on Larry Fitzgerald. Sure. And use the but safety he does to anyways. double him. I I get that, but yeah. it's also there's more. I like the mm-hmm. better options for Alex Smith to quality use quality over quantity, my friend. I still would go with the quantity with the Redskins. When teams miss out, when teams don't have a number one wide receiver, talk to me here in Chicago. They're not very good. I mean, let's be honest. My team technically didn't have a number one wide. Like Stefan Diggs and Thielen, they were very good, but like it wasn't like Mm -hmm. this is our main guy and we made it to the championship. I would argue now that both of those guys are number one wide receivers. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Like so that that cancels out your. I mean, we also have Kyle Rudolph too, which is which is also very passing game. Um, Neither one of these teams got a Kyle Rudolph. That's the argument I would say with the quality. Well quality quantity mm-hmm. thing because we just got both um in minnesota so therefore minnesota doesn't count no and, no no any Get that fi- minnesota shit out of my <laughs> chicago talk any final thoughts on the cardinals before we move the on? only other thing i gotta say with the cardinals is really oh the defense what do you we mm-hmm. didn't mention really much the defense tyron matthew is that gonna matter at all I do think it may. I mean, it doesn't necessarily. People are going to get upset the entire we didn't bring team, that up. But it does take you a step back, and it's a defense mm-hmm. that's been kind of aging, and they've been replacing some pieces to it. But you look at this offseason, especially in the draft, and there's not really a focus on defense. The focus mm-hmm. is, of course, on the offense, which to me shows a team that knows that, hey, we're kind of restarting some things, mm-hmm. but you have a defensive minded coach. So that in itself is going to kind of be uh, hopefully propping this defense up a little bit, which the defense already was average enough defense last year. Mm-hmm. They weren't blowing people away necessarily, but they were a good enough defense. And now you get this offense, or the, I'm sorry, this defensive minded coach that should, like I said, elevate these guys to play better to where they were in you know some of those years three, four years ago. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. You lose the Honey Badger. Um, pieces have been kind of getting older and, and going away from Arizona necessarily. But you still got Peterson. You still got good parts there. I think that really when it comes down to it, similar to what we were talking about with the 49ers, when you've got a great shutdown corner, mm-hmm. like what the 49ers hope Sherman's going to be, like Peterson – that in its own can kind of elevate the rest of the defense as well. Another thing that I think we didn't bring up, and I relate this because you mentioned it with the defenses, we didn't mention with a guy like Wilkes, where it's basically this is his first head coaching job in the NFL. Yeah. The last time he was a head coach, 1999, when he was the head coach in college for one year, at Savannah State College, where he went five and six, vastly different job than the one he has now, and I'm just not expecting him to come in and be. I think we've been spoiled with the Sean McVeighs of the world, 
Um, I feel like this will be more of a Kyle Shanahan situation for Wilkes, where it's a four or five win team. And then next year, we're talking about this team maybe being a little better than they already are. Which is, I I think, what most people should expect mm-hmm. out of the Arizona Cardinals. Next year, don't get too crazy. Let's see what happens after that. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. More importantly, I want to start the—I want to I wanna bring it to them. What do you think of our little Redskin Cardinal discussion? What would you guys pick? Let us know what you think about that. About the Cardinals, what do you expect from this team, and how many wins they'll get at the end of the year. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. And Mark, let's move into the next team, the Seattle Seahawks, which is an interesting team for this preview. Because usually we're talking about them being one of the teams to challenge and be one of the teams that could be the NFC West division winners at the end of the season. But... This is a year that Seattle, outside of maybe Seattle fans, I a lot of us, especially you and I, not too high on the Seahawks this year. This could be a year where this Seattle team takes a step back. First thing I want to ask you about this season for the Seahawks is basically what happened this preseason where Doug Baldwin has aggravated a sore knee. He did it at the beginning of training camp. And will miss the rest of camp. He's going to miss the rest of the preseason. Right now they are reporting that he is still on track for week one against the Broncos. But the question I want to ask you is, what happens to this Seahawk team if he either misses time at the beginning of the regular season or is not a hundred, absolutely 100% week one after aggravating his sore knee? I, I mean, I'm not super worried about it, to be honest. I think he'll be fine. Um, the problem is going to be if it becomes a – if he comes out week one, maybe it's not completely ready and then mm-hmm. just ends up out for a much longer time because of it. Um, but, you know, this team is designed to – they don't need to pass the ball as much as other teams do. That's not how they're mm-hmm. built. They're supposed to be a power-running type of team. They've got – all right wide receivers to where they can get enough done with a strong run game, with a good defense, which is what they're supposed to have. And Russell Wilson, the man knows how to extend plays. The guy knows how to run the ball on his own. He can kind of make things work. He is that missing piece to where lesser receivers can get open because of him extending plays and letting them break down. Mm -hmm. So I think they'll be all right, but I fully expect Doug Baldwin to be there week one. And the the reason why I'm kind of similar with you is they we've talked about in our fantasy rankings, they've got tight end Vanit, who should be a good option for Russell Wilson. You look at their wide receivers also, like Lockett will be fine, slot receiver. They have Brandon Marshall, which, I mean, in the last few years, you're probably like, Ricky, are you thinking uh, Chicago Bear Brandon Marshall? Like, that's how far you're going back? But that their wide receivers should be better than what they were in years past. Yeah, Russell Wilson's going to love having an option that he can just throw it up and let him go and get ju- it. Let him jump up, let him go get the football, especially in the red zone. To me, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to, especially on the offensive side of this ball, because defensively we're going to get to this team because mm-hmm. they're a defensive-minded team, I'll say. But to me, the most important thing that I can't wait to see actually play football games and see how it works is... Rashad Penny on this team because this is a team that we remember when they were really good 
like Super Bowl levels and they lost a Super Bowl because they didn't do this on the one yard line. This was a team that had a power run game. This is a team that had Marshawn Lynch run it down your throat beast mode. Even when beast mode was injured or they had other running backs like Christine Michael, it was still a run game that was present. They did not have that last year. I know that C.J. Procise showed great signs and kind of showed like, ooh, a resurgence in this run game. He got injured, and the run game flew out the window. They just threw out the tub with the bathwater once C.J. Procise got injured. The thing is, and the question I'll ask you is, can Rashad Penny kind of bring back that kind of momentum in the run game that this team once had and that they are lacking because I think that he can. It's just the question of will he as a rookie running back? Well, they're hoping he will, and they drafted him in the first round, which surprised many people Mm -hmm. uh, for a reason. So they're expecting him to. The the thing that they have to their advantage is Russell Wilson's always going to make other running backs better, Mm -hmm. and he's going to have enough of a good passing game Toward that itself will make the running back better. Mm-hmm. They're one of the few teams that still uses fullbacks, so they are all about the power run. I think that this will kind of get back to some Marshawn Lynch days. It's not going to instantly be beast mode right off the start, but they're moving in the right direction. They're moving to where they should be. What should we expect from them then? Because like the reason why I ask that is you look at Just last year alone is what I'm thinking about, kind of two polar opposites, both top 10 picks. You have a guy like Leonard Fournette, top five pick, produces really well, team goes to the AFC Championship game. Then you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey, I know goes to a different situation, but isn't like the same, of course they're different backs, but doesn't have the same success that a Leonard Fournette does. What do you see? Do you see Penny maybe being more on that Leonard Fournette style? I don't of see him necessarily being Leonard Fournette because Leonard Fournette, well, I mean, was a not monster. A, not exactly Leonard Fournette. But I'm just, just saying success. Yeah, just I don't the see. Sense yeah, of success. I don't see him being Leonard Fournette in terms okay. of success. Um, I don't necessarily see him being Christian Kirk either because I don't think mm-hmm. Christian Kirk was all that successful. Christian last McCaffrey, year. you mean? Oh, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I'm just too used to saying Christian yeah. Kirk after the last topic. What about like a Joe um, Mixon or not like? Mm-hmm. I don't want to say Dalvin Cook because he was injured last year, but I mean, more I like honestly, a Joe Mixon. I feel like you'll get enough out of Rashad Penny mm-hmm. to where you'll be happy, but you're not going to sit there and be like, "I got to go get myself a Penny jersey right now." If I you're mean, not, if you're not a Seattle Seahawks fan, I'm only drawing comparisons here. But like, is there a chance that one of these different situation because he's got another running back in Mark Ingram, but? Other third-round backs, you got Kareem Hunt that took the world by storm. You got Alvin Kamara that took the world by storm. I, of, Although they're different backs, I could see Rashad Penny maybe being the same thing to the Seahawks team that Kareem Hunt was to the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, where I think it's, it's like, going to be nice because Penny's going to have plenty of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't think they're going to sit there and say, you're touching the ball every single time. No. But... He will have to share with some Mm -hmm. of these other backs, but because it is a team that historically have been one of the fewest passing attempts Mm -hmm. uh, in the NFL, 
they're going to give him opportunities. He's going to have those touches, and he's mm-hmm. a bit of a power type of guy. So he's going to and it only be very helped. useful, in, in, uh, especially goal line situations. Mm-hmm. When We're just talking about fantasy football. Yeah. He's going to get you some points. He's going to have plenty of opportunities to do so. Mm-hmm. And it only helps him that, you know, if he's doing well, they're getting him touches, then they can do the RPOs. They can play action with Russell Wilson and kind of use those bootlegs to try to catch the defense off yeah. off guard of like, ooh, are we going to run? Are we going to throw with Russell Wilson? Then you don't know at that point. Of course, the problem always is that their offensive line still isn't mm-hmm. that great. Um, I think they had uh, one. I forgot which one, but one of their guys was leading the NFL in penalties mm-hmm. last year, um, if I'm remembering right. So they had some issues, and Russell Wilson doesn't run for his life because it's fun. It's he runs he for his to. life because he doesn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting for sure. It's an interesting thing going on in Seattle right now because this team was so amazing because mm-hmm. they had so many players they didn't have to pay yet. Well, and I mean now they're starting to pay these players, and that's what's mm-hmm. been causing some issues for them uh, because they've just lost a lot of those key pieces and they're trying to build enough of a team while having to pay people. And we're going to get to the defense in a second. Just the last thing I want to say for the rushing attack that I find interesting is the last a thousand yard rusher that the Seahawks had. Surprise, surprise, beast mode. It was the 2014 season. He had just over 1,300 yards. 2015, I would say they had a good rushing attack. They had Thomas Rawls, who was their main back. Yeah, beast mode had 417. Christine Michael had 292. But Thomas Rawls, 830 yards that year. It was a really good, like, all right, we've got a guy who's at least consistent. Then you go 2016, Christine Michael, only 496, with him and Rawls kind of splitting it up. So him and Rawls equaled that 800 together, where Russell Wilson had less rushing yards. But then last year, where it's like, Mike Davis is your main... him. Mike Davis had 240. Chris Carson had 208. Eddie Lacy was damn near non-existent. Like I said, CJ Proceis was got injured. And Russell Wilson led the team in rushing with 586 rushing yards and had the most, he had four of the team's 12 rushes over 20 yards last year. Yeah. That is what this team cannot have if they want success, but kind of moving on into kind of what you were mentioning, where this is a team that had to pay, start paying young players, mostly on the defensive side. And that's why we've seen this team kind of have to negotiate with those older players. Why we see Richard Sherman have left the team. He's now in San Francisco. But the thing I like with this team heading in, they add guys through this draft like a Rashid, like a Rashid, uh, Rashim Green, if I can get that name out, third-round draft pick, he could start for them on the right side of this defensive line. You get a guy in the fifth round like Shaquem Griffin who... We like we don't know what exactly his role is going to be on this team because he's not going to be a starter because they have KJ Wright. They've got guys that I like, like the Texas guy Puna Ford. They've got um, Emmanuel Beal. They've got Trey Flowers in the cornerback situation. 
What do you expect from this defense, and will they take a step back this year, or is this youth going to help this team kind of stand tall on the defensive front? Well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they got to figure some things out, obviously, and so far, just with the offseason and starting with the preseason, they've had a few guys kind of banged up already, Mm -hmm. which is creating some issues. I mean, you mentioned Shaquem Griffin and K.J. Wright being in front of them. Mm -hmm. The moment Wright's kind of banged up, so, I mean, that might force a rookie to have to start playing earlier, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely not what you're going to want. So there's going to be some issues with that. I mean, and a big thing for them and the Seattle Seahawks, I think, when it comes to this youth and getting some of these new guys in here, not that it's completely new, but if the team starts to do poorly, do they finally pull the trigger and make that trade happen, getting rid of Earl mm-hmm. Thomas, which once again is just going to let some of those veterans, some of those uh, you know, old Legion of Boom type of guys mm-hmm. walk away and completely start a different era to the team. It's going to be interesting for sure because the Seattle Seahawks defense, they weren't a bad defense last mm-hmm. year. I mean, I don't want to put that out there at all, and I don't think they're going to be a bad defense this year. They're just not of that same level they were before. They're closer to that average than they were before where they were, you know, the best defense in the NFL. They still have a great defense total defense passing defense they still intercept and take away the ball all the time you know the the biggest weakness the defense has is mm-hmm. against the running game that's really what their big de- their big weakness is but you lose a guy like Earl Thomas maybe that passing game does take us our uh, passing defense does take a step back this coming year or the takeaways go down a little bit you know something like that can have an impact even of just having this guy who's been there for such a long time to help command and help lead the defense and show everybody the way it's supposed to be in Seattle. Now, the thing I'm doing is I'm looking at the schedule, and home games are interesting for the Seahawks every single year because of the 12th man and how hard it is to play. But I look at their schedule, and I look at their home games, and I go, I don't know, some of these home games, like, the schedule the schedule makers did not do them any favors with their home games because if we if i list them off you play the cowboys who could be like a 9 and 17 8 and 8 9 and 7 but could be like a 10 and 6 team you've got the rams who will most likely be a playoff team but you play them twice a year so you know you get them at home then you have the chargers who could be a playoff team, and you get a Charger team off the bye in that game. The Packers, who should be a lot better with Aaron Rodgers coming back. The Niners, the Cardinals, you know you're going to play them at home. But then the Vikings, who should be a playoff team this year. And the Chiefs, who, yes, Patrick Mahomes' rookie year, that one could be necessarily a weaker game because it's not the Chiefs of last year, and it's a new-look Chief team. But, like, look at the other games. Vikings-Packers, Rams, Chargers, and Cowboys. Those five games, those are ones where it's like, in the past, I'd be like, oh, they're at home. I give the edge maybe to Seattle. In those five games, maybe except for, like, one or two of them, I would maybe side with the opponents in those five in those mm-hmm. five home games. Fortunately, they are bet this team wins at home. Mm-hmm. They struggle on the road more mm-hmm. historically at least, but 
you look at some of those road games then, like <laughs> and playing they're a lot easier. Yeah, playing the Bears, playing uh-huh. the Lions, the Raiders. playing the Raiders. You know, you have some easier situations for you to go into. And and we're, I think we're both a little mm-hmm. bit down on the Panthers this coming year, so that one's there well, as well. I was gonna say your toughest road games are week one against the Broncos and then week ten against the Rams. Yeah. What I would say are your toughest ones. Mm-hmm. The Panthers are just a toss up of what are we gonna see this year. So I mean. Maybe they still do well enough, although do take a step mm-hmm. back with the home games, but they do enough on the away games to where, hey, now all of a sudden you've won enough, you can get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% down on these Seattle Seahawks. I think 8-8 eight and eight is probably a good spot to be. I would not be surprised if they were 9-7 and seven again. The problem just once again comes mm-hmm. down to the fact that 9-7 and seven in the NFC is not necessarily good enough to guarantee you a spot in the playoffs. This is not You're hoping that some other team has done worse than you th- then. This is not what it used to be like Pete Car- what Pete Carroll's like first year with the team where 9 and 7 won you the division and got you into the playoffs. Those years are long gone where you're going to need double digit wins and even if you get double digit wins there's no guarantee you might be left out of the playoffs just ask like I said the Lions how that feels, but I mean I feel like the schedule is going to be the deciding factor for how the Seahawks do because the way I look at how I have this season playing out for them, there's a chance that they could play 10 teams that finish with a winning record at the end of the year. And I'll be completely honest, of those 10 games, right now I got them 3-7 and in those games. And I'll be completely honest. The Rams you're going to split. I don't have you beating the Vikings. I don't have you beating the Packers. I, The Chargers, maybe that one is a little bit closer, but I could see you guys losing that game, although I would lean maybe with you in that one. The Cowboys is another tough one, and like I don't see you guys beating the Broncos on the road. So it's like I look at those games for sure. One, two, three would be the Rams. Four, if you count Chargers or Cowboys, just one of those games, and six against the Broncos, those are six right there. That means you have to sweep the rest of your games, and that might not even happen because I don't think this is going to be a team that goes 5-1 and one in the division. They're a team that will be like two, three, maybe four wins. Like If they go four wins in the division, that's really good, but they could be a two, three-win team in the NFC West this year. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for them in that case because being that 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, level does mm-hmm. not guarantee you anything. So you really have to win as much as you can because, you know, 10 wins mm-hmm. probably doesn't even win you your division. No. Uh, it, it's going to be a challenge for the Seahawks. They're really going to be in there competing for that wild card spot against, you know, probably the Packers, the Falcons, maybe the Panthers. Cowboys, you know, there's a lot of teams, 49ers, that are also going to be right in the thick of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's going to be a challenge. And the thing I will ask you is, let me ask you this. We haven't been able to ask this question often because, except for his first two years, and actually I was wrong, that first year with Pete Carroll, it wasn't a 9-7 and team that got in. That was the infamous 7-9 and team. That, that got year. into the playoffs and lost to the Bears in the divisional round. Like they, I want to say, beat the Saints that year. Yeah, that um, was the beast in the wild game. card game. 
and then lost to the Bears. That was the year the Bears lost to the Packers in the it was. championship game, right? Yep. Okay. Just wanted to bring that up. Wanted to make sure I got that correct. But we haven't been able to ask this question mm-hmm. because ever since those first two years, 11, 13, 12, 10, and 10 have been the win totals. After a 9-7 and seven year last year, let's say this is a year that's below 500. Let's say it's anywhere below 500, even a 7-9 and nine team for the Seahawks. If they finish 7-9 seven or seven and nine and below, are we next year talking about Pete Carroll's job security in Seattle? I mean, I'm sure we would talk about it, but I, I don't expect Pete Carroll to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done enough good for this team that they're not going to throw him out the first time something goes wrong. They're going to let him do this, and they're going to let him mm-hmm. figure it out because there's a lot of good pieces to this team. If they underperform... That's all right. The only mm-hmm. reason I can see maybe Pete Carroll being shipped out of town is similar to last year. The locker room is what started to fall apart, but they got rid of a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they had issues, and Richard Sherman is still an issue talking about the uh, the Pit, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and mm-hmm. all the locker room issues and how it just doesn't feel the same, man. Um they got rid of those guys, but the only reason I can see him being shipped out right now mm-hmm. or sent packing is if they just completely lose the locker room. That's the only thing. Even our, or they go zero and sixteen. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I mean, even if they win, I mean, six games, Hugh I Jack- still think he's going to be here. I mean, Hugh Jackson's not the coach, yeah. So they're somehow. not going to go zero and sixteen somehow. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely don't expect him to be going anywhere right now. Marinelli was the coach of the Lions when they went 0-16, right? Amazing defensive coordinator. Head coach, not so much. The thing that I think with Pete Carroll, and this is just my belief with it, is I don't think Pete Carroll will be fired in Seattle. If If he is no longer the Seattle coach, he will leave on his own. But that's just what Pete Carroll does. Like, Pete Carroll will leave you... You will not fire Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll hurts you. You don't hurt uh, Pete Carroll. Exactly. But before we move on to the Rams, any final thoughts you have about the Seattle Seahawks? No, just that the Seattle Seahawks are... It's tough with them because they're not that sure thing that they used to be. No. And we just kind of have to be there while they transition into a new era post-Legion of Boom. It's exact. I, I think of what I hear every time I hear Colin Cowherd talk about the Golden State Warriors now. Dynasties never last forever. I know Tom Brady fans are going, ha, 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 what about us? Where you're not winning three back-to-back-to-back Super Bowls every year mm-hmm. like you used to. Dynasties never last forever. The Seattle Seahawks dynasty as we were looking at it with Super Bowl appearances and yeah. how good they were, it looks like that is the Legion of Boom mm-hmm. dynasty is now ending. And, and Marshawn being gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they're still, I mean, they still went to the playoffs five years in a row, with yep. last year being the first time since 2011 they didn't go to the playoff game. Mm-hmm. So they've had success, even in years that are a little bit of a down. Last year was kind of an anomaly, and they were still mm-hmm. second in the division. Yeah. I see this team being a the window that I will give them is seven to nine wins. That is what I see for this team, where they will be just right there, middle of the road, miss out on the playoffs in the NFC because, like we've said at nauseum, you're going to need double digit wins to get into the playoffs, and you might not get in. 
even with double-digit wins. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. What do you think about the Seahawks this year? What do you like? What do you don't like? What were we right about? What were we wrong about? And how many wins do you have for them at the end of the year? Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. But, Mark, it is time to close out the podcast and the last team we are looking at for tonight or today's preview, depending on when you're watching this, when we're recording this, it is tonight as it has gotten dark and the sun yeah. has gone down on us. But the last team we are looking at, Mark, is the L.A. Rams. And this is a team 11 wins last year. They made it to the playoffs. They lost to the Atlanta Falcons in the playoffs. Very high hopes for this team in year two under Sean McVay. And here's the thing I want to ask you, and I'm just going to be blunt and go right out with it. Mm -hmm. Brandon has made a video in the past. Ram fans are really excited about this. Before we get to the nitty-gritty negative, I want to talk about some of the positives. And I'm going to ask you straight up, is this a Super Bowl team this year? Is this a Super Bowl favorite in the NFC? It potentially is, yeah. I mean, they're one of the favorites, I would say. Uh, probably them and the Eagles mm-hmm. are the two favorites. Come on. Um, you, you're going to slight me like that, Mark? You got a new quarterback. I still say we're one of the I say New we're quarterback three and favorites. you lost your offensive coordinator who was very, very good. I say three favorites. We're in there. We might be you, third, I'll give you but three. I'll give you three, but it's the Saints. <laughs> I mean, uh, let's say, you know, just Drew Brees dig, is right there. Just going to dig that knife into me. But go ahead. Go ahead. You about know, the they're Rams. definitely one of the favorites. I mean, they're a team that already had one of the best passing games mm-hmm. last year. Gets even better. They had a good defense last year, really good pass rush last year, and it all gets even better. Uh, the only thing that you could really kind of say against them is the fact that Jared Goff had one good year. We need to see it again. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this team, if any, if anyone's going to have a complete nuclear meltdown in the locker room, it could be this team because they did not care necessarily about taking the risks with I mean, off-the-field potential issues or N- locker room issues. Nadama can sue, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib. They said, I don't <laughs> care. It's good on the field. And uh-huh. you know what? It worked for Seattle mm-hmm. until Seattle started losing. Mm-hmm. But it worked for Seattle enough to go to back-to-back Super Bowls and win one of them, True. almost win the other one. Uh, you know, and really what the Rams are showing you is we do not care about anything down that way. Mm-hmm. We care about winning right now because they went and spent any money they well, needed to because this is the prime time with this young underpaid quarterback. Well, and not just that, I'm going to look at the business side of it mm-hmm. too. You look at this team, they've got a brand new stadium opening up soon and they need to sell season tickets. For sure. And that's not going to help to win in the future. That's going to help to win right now yeah. to fill that new stadium. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is a team that's saying we're doing this now. We're mm-hmm. not waiting for anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's completely fair. I think that's a good way to do it. The NFL has shown if you've got a young quarterback, an expensive quarterback, mm-hmm. and young other talented players who are inexpensive, yeah, pay for some of those other guys because you want to go for it right now. You don't want to have to wait and hope that your team is good enough to compete against other teams. You want to just kind of almost cheat a little bit by mm-hmm. spending that money to get as many talented superstars as you can get on one team. I'm going to be completely honest. This is my favorite to win the division this year. Like, that is, I know, and everyone's going to go, oh, my God, Ricky, oh, how could you say that? They're going to be the favorite to win the West? Like, 
no shit, Sherlock. Like, this should be the best team in the NFC West. This could also be a team that finishes top two in the NFC this year. That's how good they could be in my mind. And the one thing that I mentioned to you before we recorded that I'll bring up is to kind of go along with the whole Super Bowl talk for the L.A. Rams. One thing I've noticed for NFC teams the last two years, the two Mm -hmm. that have made the Super Bowl, some coincidences that those teams have had that it's been year two of their head coach, which this would be year two of Sean McVay. They've either been one or two in the NFC, which the Rams could be this year. The only thing they do not fit is that they don't have a veteran quarterback. I wouldn't count Goff as a veteran. Matt Ryan and Nick Foles were the quarterbacks that played for them, the other two teams, in the playoffs. And it's just weird that that kind of trend of, especially in the NFC, second-year coach with a successful team, with a successful offense and defense, boom, they go to the Super Bowl. And what's funny, they both play the Patriots, and both of them probably should have beat the Patriots. Like, let's be honest, where the Eagles the Eagles beat the Patriots, Tom Brady almost came back and won that game. If the Falcons didn't take their foot off the gas pedal, probably would have won that game, and we would be sitting here going, Rams are really the Super Bowl favorite because these last two teams both beat Tom Brady, but we all know what happened in the Super Bowl against the Falcons. The thing I do not like about this team, and now we get to the negative, is everything going on with Aaron Donald. That is the one negative spot for this preview in my mind, where the thing I hate the most, Mark, is... I get it from a football sense and I get it from a business sense where if you gave me the choice, if I'm going to pay my standout defensive lineman or my standout running back, that money goes to the running back first. That's just how it is. I get it. But part of me, a lot of me, feels that the Rams are doing Aaron Donald dirty right now. And the whole thing is, the last thing we have heard is that Sean McVay has said he doesn't expect the Aaron Donald holdout to end anytime soon. And the thing I will ask you is, look into your crystal ball, does Aaron Donald sit out regular season games? Because the last thing we heard from him is he said, I am not lacing him up. I am not putting on a helmet until I get a new deal. I, I can see him missing a you know, a few games, uh, not necessarily a ton, but mm-hmm. this defense is really good. I mean, he's a huge part of it. He's a huge part of this mm-hmm. pass rush for sure, but the team is good anyways, and that's a risky move because if the team is good without you, hey, your value just went down quite mm-hmm. a bit. But the flip side is if the team is not good without you, your value skyrocketing, right? Mm-hmm. And then do you pull a chance? You know, we, we saw – the CLC Hawks defense completely changed when Cam Chancellor showed back up. Aaron Donald comes right back in, and this team gets much, much better. All right, now we got something going for us. But it's a risky move. It is for sure a risky move. And he's done a lot, but I think that you also, 
want to go out there and prove yourself in this uh, in this contract year, mm-hmm. not only to the Rams of, see, you really should pay me, but to those other teams out there who are looking at the tape and want you for their team as well. Well, that is the most important thing that you said is you said contract year – and the reason why you say that is because today, the day as we're recording this on Tuesday, was the deadline for him to report to camp. If he did not report to camp by the deadline, he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. And guess what? He has not reported. He's going to be a free agent now at the end of the year. And that's why for me, this is, I'm going to be honest, this is kind of the stupidest thing that I've seen from the Rams because it's like you're... Like I said before, I get the whole one running back can make a team better than one defensive player. Like you had just said, the defense is not just one player. It's a collection of guys at different levels of the defense. But, I mean, I just feel like this is this is an example of – because Aaron Donald is a guy that this team drafted. They drafted him, and – it almost says to me, if I'm a guy, let's say, not just a guy that gets drafted, what if I'm a free agent and they're thinking about going after me? What if I look at this and go, that's how you treat these players? That's how you treat your players? You don't take care of all of them? You just take care of the guys you like? What if it rubs, especially defensively, mm-hmm. rubs some guys the wrong way? Especially where it's like, hey, I think, I'm on the mm-hmm. defensive side of the ball. They're not going to take care of me. They're I think any player there. knows that, though, that the def- that the mm-hmm. team is going to only care for certain players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what what I would be kind of wondering about is, and I don't know really too much about the specifics on the contract dispute, mm-hmm. is Aaron Donald really just asking for something ridiculous? And they're just saying, hey, you know what? Go ahead and test it because yeah. no Aaron, one's paying you So that. from the ESPN article, it says Donald is scheduled to earn – $6.9 million in his final season of his rookie contract, but is thought to be seeking a deal that would pay him in excess of $20 million per season, which would make him the highest paid defensive player in NFL history and would rank his salary among quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a lot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign him to that. You know, I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're going to completely... Put all your money in this basket, especially when you just paid the running back, sure. But you know you're going to have to pay uh, Jared Goff as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of money. And you're definitely going to be paying him over $20 million a year. Because mm-hmm. so he's a quarterback. It's difficult, and there's a good chance that by the time he gets it, he's going to want to be the highest-paid quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to just Especially if you win a Super Bowl this yeah, year. To make Aaron Donald the highest-paid defensive player ever, that's a tall order. And I don't know that many teams that are going to be willing to give him quarterback money. Someone will, I'm sure, but it might not be the team that he necessarily wants to play on. So that's the interesting thing. The funny thing is they've got Adamican Sue on the team, who was that guy of like, see you, Detroit, I'm going to Miami, they're going to pay me. And that mm-hmm. didn't work well for the career of Adamican Sue. And I want to correct myself. So with the free agency thing, mm-hmm. He's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So because he held out last year, he didn't get in a curd season. And because he's held out this year and today was the deadline to report, it because he didn't report today, he's not going to get another curd season. So at the end of the year, instead of being an unrestricted free agent, 
he's going to remain a restricted free agent. Yeah. Which just gives the Rams a little bit more power in free agency. But I think that kind of steps to or, or speaks to what he really would want is mm-hmm. he wants to stay with the Rams. Mm-hmm. He just wants this good deal. Yeah, he just wants the money from the Rams. And he wants to prove to them mm-hmm. you guys do in fact need me. Mm-hmm. Um it's not like it's impossible for him to end up somewhere else. No. Uh but yeah, I think he well, does want to go to and the Rams. And that's why people Still. are asking and I'll ask you in mm-hmm. this preview should they trade him? Like, there are people that are, like, articles are saying, I saw one that's like, who gets traded first, Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald? Yeah. There's another one from a Patriot site, which was like, the Patriots should trade for Aaron Donald. Do you see, I personally don't see him getting traded. I don't either. Do you see any possibility yeah, where I mean, the Rams if, go, If sure. you get a King's Ransom out of it, then mm-hmm. okay. I mean, if he wants to get paid like a quarterback and you can trade him like mm-hmm. a quarterback, then sure. I mean, I guess that's not a bad thing for you. Uh, get a lot of that young talent on here. But, no, Aaron Donald is too valuable on the field. The only way I could say that, yes, you do trade him is you get to, like, week six, the guy's still not playing somehow because he's saying he's not Mm -hmm. going to without a big deal. Then, yeah, sure, say, all right, what other team wants to give this a chance because Mm -hmm. it's not working for us and he's just wasting space. I mean, and when it comes to the I'm not playing unless I get a deal, part of me gets that from a football player because it's like, why should I put my body on the line and wreck up? If I get injured, I'm just screwing up my free agency chances. Yeah. At that point. You are. I Although mean, you Odell might be Beckham's, doing that anyways by not playing. Mm-hmm. But Odell still. Beckham's going through a similar situation where you had people basically saying, I don't know why he's at camp. I wouldn't be at camp until I have to be because I'm not going to get injured trying to seek a new contract. And that's what these players think of. But let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball. We mentioned new additions to this team. I'm going to bring up Brandon Cooks, a guy that they traded for from the New England Patriots. What does his addition mean to this team? Of course, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Yeah. But how much is Brandon Cooks really going to help the Rams at the end of the year? The interesting thing, too, is I, I saw something I was talking about how McVay really wanted Brandon Cooks before, mm-hmm. and they just didn't have the ability to go get him, and now yeah. they finally made it happen. Because the Patriots traded for him originally, mm-hmm. correct? And then, um, yeah. Like they traded with yeah. the Saints for mm-hmm. him, and then they traded him to the Rams and just this offseason. The... The nice thing I like to see with that is it shows kind of the trust with McVay and, mm-hmm. and giving him what he wants. But really, it's just giving Jared Goff everything that he needs to be successful. Um, you know, he's got a great running back who is going to be a league leader for sure. Cooks, who can be a wide receiving leader. You have so many great pieces here that there's no reason why this team can't go out there and mm-hmm. be one of the best uh, offenses in the NFL once again. I'm going to use basic math here, and I know that this isn't really how it kind of segues over, but this is just how my brain sees it, is you take away Sammy Watkins, who was about fifty nine or 593 yards last year, eight touchdowns. You take him away, and you add a receiver that might have had two less touchdowns, but had over 1,000 yards last year. Had 1,082 1, yards last year. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take an a, a potential 1,000-yard receiver. And I know what people think. Well, Ricky, how much of that is going to be the Tom Brady effect? 
is are we going to see a dip in Cook's yardage? To me, it could be a little dip. He could be just under 1,000 yards. Doesn't matter. It gives you a guy that is going to have, like, that is to me what Brandon Cooks needs to be this year. You need to be better than what Sammy Watkins was last year because the Rams got Sammy Watkins and it was like, you know what? We're really expecting something from you. We want you to be a valid weapon on this team. And then he wasn't. He only had like 39 receptions and 70 targets last year, 593 yards, and it just didn't seem to work. That's why he's in KC right now, and they've got Brandon Cooks, who they traded for. Yeah, and Brandon Cooks is that kind of guy where, besides his rookie year only mm-hmm. playing 10 games, he's always over 1,000 yards. So mm-hmm. I think he'll be fine getting that to that 1,000. If anything, actually, the year with Tom Brady was his worst year besides that rookie year. Mm-hmm. So that kind of was a step back for him. Uh, and he's 100% the you know number one weapon. He's going to get the ball thrown to him all the time. That's going to be a big thing for I him. I mean, it could open up. Like, Cooper Cup was good last year, but having Brandon Cooks out there drawing some attention from the defensive backs could give Cup more opportunities this year than he had last year, and Cup led the team in receiving yards. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember. See, I didn't even know if he was still on the team. I don't remember anymore. Well, uh, for for Cooper Cup. Yep. Right now, the depth chart reads Cup, Woods, and Cooks are the starting wide receivers nice. for him. I completely forgot that he was mm-hmm. even still with the Rams. <laughs> so that's awesome because, I mean, you know, having a nice, solid mm-hmm. guy who can kind of, you know, he's not going to be your number one right here, but he's going to get stuff done Yeah. Uh, as compared and, to, like, Cooper or Woods or something like that. And he wasn't supposed to be the number one wide receiver last year. Yeah. Sammy Watkins was supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. So, And it's not even mentioning the fact, too, that Todd Gurley is going to be a huge part of this offense. Mm-hmm. So Jared Goff doesn't need to go out there and be Tom Brady throwing 4,500 yards. Mm-hmm. He can just be a guy who's, like, you know, right around 4,000 is enough. Even less than that, you know, 3,700. Very, very different teams, the Patriots and the Rams. Yeah, for sure. And that works out well for Jared Goff. He doesn't mm-hmm. need the world on his shoulders because he's going to be able to get stuff done when you need him, uh, and that's going to work out really well for him. How do you see this season ultimately, like, bringing the schedule in? Because this one's interesting because, yes, I know that it's similar schedule that we've talked about with the – other three teams, yep. but like this Rams team, I could I see them as an 11 12 win team this year. Yeah, I can um, definitely see it. And some of the games that we talked about being tough, really to me, the only games that I think will be like clear losses is like the Vikings could be a loss, the Broncos, the Eagles, and then it's like, all right, you might lose two or three divisional games. Where it's like the Cardinals might get you in Arizona. Ooh, the San Francisco 49ers might get you. The Saints will be an interesting one. The Packers, I think the, this team can beat the Packers, especially in L.A. This could be a team that, although this schedule that we have talked about being a tougher one, they might be good enough to just overcome it overall. Yeah, I think 11, and 12, 11 or 12 wins is mm-hmm. pretty spot on for what you'd expect out of this team. Uh, and that's great. I mean, that could potentially get you the number one seed mm-hmm. in the NFC. Uh, and then Road to the Super Bowl goes through you. That's perfect. I mean, this team is, they were very good last year, surprisingly mm-hmm. good last year. They got even better in the offseason. So if things go well 
things go the way they're supposed to and everything goes according to plan, there's no reason why this team isn't one of the best teams in the NFL. Any final thoughts before we wrap things up? Not necessarily. I mean, I think uh, this one, for sure, Super Bowl favorites. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think about the L.A. Rams down below in the comment section. Next week, we'll be back to kind of some uh, normal scheduling program here at Most Valid Podcast for the Onside Kick. Previews are done. In two weeks, we'll have our official hold us to them predictions. Then someone will get a career or not a career ending, get a season ending injury. The next week, maybe the next day on Thursday, we'll have to redo our predictions and do a new revised version like we did when Teddy Bridgewater and Tony Romo went down. That was a lot of fun, but that'll be in two weeks. Next week, we will have our way too early mock draft, which I know I promised last week, but because Mark wasn't in. And really, I'm like, we got that buffer between the uh, predictions. Let's go ahead and do it next week. We'll also probably do some bold predictions and maybe some MVP talk next week. But a little bit of housekeeping here at the end. Make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valid podcast to help support the channel. Make sure to buy a t-shirt down below in the description. You can also do so at mostvaluablepodcast.com where you can catch MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, Make sure to go to iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Give The Onside Kick a five-star rating and let us know why you like listening to the podcast each and every week. want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. want to thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.